Good morning. Thanks for making the time to watch and listen to this. Well, we're pretty excited about this new series called I Said This, You Heard That. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to say or how to say something? Or maybe you found yourself saying the wrong thing? Well, this series is for all of us. It's a way for us to be better communicators. We want to be more effective in the way that we communicate with each other. Look, healthy, effective communication is complicated. And here's why it's so complicated. We don't always know what to say or how to say something. Have you ever found yourself in a situation and it was intense or it was dramatic and you know what to say or even how to say it? Sometimes we say the wrong thing, but more often here's what begins to happen. Maybe we say the right thing in the wrong way. Have you ever had a conversation with a kindergartner? Or maybe we say the right thing at the wrong time. We're parenting teenagers or dealing with kids who seem to know everything, or we say one thing, they hear something entirely different. That's called marriage. See, sometimes we'd be better off not saying anything at all, but then when we don't say anything at all, we have a tendency to do more damage in that relationship. So it seems like we can't win. Maybe you've experienced all three in one day. I know I have. As a man, I experienced all three in one day. Last summer, I had a conversation with Brooke in the morning, and I said the right thing in the wrong way, hurt her. Then in late morning, a couple hours later, I said to Jordan, who is a teenager at the time, I said the right thing at the wrong time, and then later on in the afternoon, I said, one thing, and Jenny heard it completely different. I'm thinking, man, I should never have opened my mouth. Here's what we all know. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. Like on average, we we speak about 16,000 words a day. For some of you, please take this the, the best possible way. Some of you are way above average. If average, if an average book is, say, 250 words, that means we fill up about 100 books a year. And this makes paying attention to what we say and using our words and communicating a critical life skill. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if God tweeted? <laughs> well, we really don't have to think about it too much because there's a book in the Bible called Proverbs. And God gave wisdom to Solomon who wrote most of these Proverbs, these wise sayings. And they talk about the power of our words. Notice Proverbs 11.9, with his mouth the ungodly destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous are rescued. The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Or pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the taste and health to the body. Then I I immediately think of, um, remember the honeycomb cereal? Or maybe some of you prefer honey O's? Sorry, I digressed. And then death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is Proverbs 18.21. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. See, words, according to God, who inspired Solomon to write these, words are powerful. They can be a force for good and they could be the root of our demise. Good or demise. See, what we're going to do over the next four weeks is we want to dive into the way that you and I communicate and Perhaps for some of us, it may completely change the way that you and I communicate so that we honor God 
and we honor people. And we're going to be looking at one verse throughout this series, and that's Ephesians 4.29. And we believe that this verse provides a tool for you and I to better understand how we communicate, how we like to be communicated, and how we need to communicate to others. So today, what we want to do is we want to discover two primary ways things go wrong with our words. So we're going to look at Ephesians 4.29, which is in our New Testament, and it's a statement that Paul writes. Now, Paul's a church planner, and he's writing back to a church, and he's encouraging them. And what he wrote was inspired by God. It was in, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, which means that we as followers of Jesus, we need to think differently with the words that we use. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for us. He writes, no foul language should come from your mouth. Now, this is the first part of the verse that we're going to look into. What does foul language mean? I know for some of us, we immediately think of cursing, swearing, um, saying um, offensive and inappropriate words, or maybe some racial slurs. But it also, the standard for our words implied in this verse is actually so much more than that. It's actually higher than that. See, the Greek word for foul is sopras, and it means bad, rotten, corrupt, useless, and worthless. It's a unique word in the Greek because it has in it two categories of meaning. It can mean harmful or useless, harmful or useless, which is why Paul then says this, so no foul language should come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone good for building up someone so instead of your words being foul being useless they should be good and building up okay so this is really important paul gives us a warning and he uses the dual meaning of foul okay so paul is warning us against really two types of words unhelpful useless not beneficial it's not going to build anyone up and unhealthful bad, harmful, toxic. Okay, They're not good, they're bad. All right? So it seems obvious, but in our reality, it isn't easy. It's not common in the way that we communicate. Now, think of this balancing scale for a second. Okay, In the average relationship, your coworker, your neighbor, even your, your kids, your parents, one compliment, one positive thing is actually what they hear is, Uh, compared to six negative comments or criticisms. So, that's not good. And this explains in part why so many work environments are toxic, marriages are in trouble. It seems like uh, a husband and wife cannot communicate to save their life. Kids are experiencing anxiety, depression, and security at an early age because what they're hearing is negativity. They're hearing criticism. I mean, what kind of ratio, I mean, with this type of ratio, imagine the type of culture that we're creating at work, at school, at home, at church. What kind of generation with this ratio, what kind of generation are we raising? Like, what type of marriages are we modeling? Then then Paul offers a subtle insight about how we change all of this. See, later in the verse, he says this, no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building someone up in need. That's not why we typically use our words. 
See, our first reason that we communicate is not to build others up. We talk because we have something to say. We want to share our thoughts. We want to share our opinions. We want to be heard. And we live in a culture right now in America where social media is not helping the cause. It's done the exact opposite. And not just in America, but Western civilization, Western culture, where you have athletes, politicians, celebrities. They feel like they, they, they are owed this uh, ability to share whatever they want to share. And it hasn't helped. And the second reason why we don't think of other people is because we're primarily focused on our own needs. We're not focused on someone else's needs. We're focused on our own needs, our own desires, our own dreams. We want to communicate that. Well, Paul is helping us understand that if we want to build others up as God has called us to do, we have to change the way we use our words. Now, Now think about this. The source of unhelpful words is actually connected to our uniqueness and our difference differences like you and i we are uniquely wired by god and the words that are helpful to you may not be helpful to me the things that might be helpful to you may not be helpful to your spouse your boyfriend your girlfriend your fiance your students your athletes your kids see even when you're determined to to help we have a tendency to use the words that are helpful to us but not helpful to them and this is why sometimes you feel defeated or you feel like it's impossible to communicate with your coworkers or your, your peers or your, your teenagers. Have you ever found yourself saying, I didn't mean to say it that way. I didn't mean to say it the way they took it or I wasn't trying to hurt their feelings. They just misunderstood what I was trying to communicate. Or maybe you said this, that may have been what they heard, but that's not what I said. See, wanting to help with our words, guys, it just isn't enough. We need a practical tool to help us live out Paul's instruction. And so when I was in middle school, I took the temperaments test. And I haven't changed. I have not changed. And I believe this helps us live out Paul's instruction in Ephesians 4.29. See, temperaments are different than, your, than a personality temperament is your innate wiring from God. It doesn't change. You are who you are. However, personality, it it changes over time as we are conditioned by different things, circumstances, life. Now, your temperament determines the words you speak. Your temperament influences what you say and and how you say it. Your, Your temperament also influences what you hear when others speak to you. And that's what we want to hone in on. Now, there are four primary temperaments, and they were discovered, quote-unquote discovered, around uh, 400 B.C. or 400 years before Jesus came on the scene. And four Greek terms um, that are used were later linked to colors and shapes, which we'll talk about. Now, here's a helpful snapshot. For some of you, you are sanguine or yellow. And you speak the language of people and fun. You, you often speak with animated, fun, exaggerated, people-oriented words like, that sounds fun, or, hey, come on, join. Come on, uh, come join in. Or, oh, I totally forgot. Or, or maybe you're choleric or red. You speak the language of power and control. 
you often speak with bold, bossy, confident, or controlling words like, hey, I'll do it. Hurry up or follow my lead. And then we have those who are phlegmatic or green. You speak the language of calm and harmony. You often speak with sarcastic or easygoing, patient and kind words like, hey, no big deal. Hey, I'm good with that. I'm good with whatever. Or can it wait until tomorrow? Or maybe you're like me. You're melancholic or you're blue. You speak the language of perfection and order. You often speak with detailed, analytical, and compassionate words like, you know what, I've been giving it some thought and you're right. You know what, I I don't trust him. Uh, The numbers aren't adding up. Or, are you sure that's safe? See, no one temperament is better than another. In case (laughs) we have some reds that are listening and watching. Look, every, every color... Every term has its strength and weakness. We all have the tendency to speak according to our own needs. But remember, Paul said, look, you don't need to speak according to your needs. Speak according to the needs of others. See, not living out this verse can incredibly damage our relationships. I don't know. Have you ever experienced the following? A kid is working on something special for his dad for his birthday at the kitchen. So he's working on it. His dad comes in from work from a long day. He says, Ben, you, you forgot to bring that trash can in from the street. Ben responds, Dad, I'm sorry. Hey, I just got caught up in, and Dad cuts off his son. And he says, I don't know why it's so hard for you to do what you're told. Look, come on, you, you only have a couple chores around the house. We're not asking much from you. What are you doing? Dad, I'm coming. You don't need to be coloring. Ben, coloring should not get in the way of you doing your chores. Clean it up. And then Ben, he says, all right, I will. And then maybe he's not moving fast enough. And so dad says, don't just say you will. Clean it up now. So when Ben doesn't move as fast as his dad would want him to move, the dad brings the trash can from the kitchen And he begins to swipe everything off the kitchen table that his son has been working on. He moves it into the trash. And so Ben runs off to his room. And mom comes in and asks if Ben went to go get the comic book he was making for his dad's birthday. But let's fast forward 30 years. Ben is now the dad. Ben walks in from a long day of work. His son is calling. Hey, Dad, do you want to play a new form of chess I created? And Ben responds, no, um, I would love to. But right now, I have, I have some deadlines I need to meet. Maybe, maybe in a little bit. And son says, look, Dad, 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 look, it's only going to take five minutes. I want to show you the new game of chess I came up with. It's super easy, and it's quick. And Ben cuts off his son and says, look, I, look, I know chess, and chess is a good game. Look, it can go on forever. A good game could go on forever. Let's just, let's just give it some time. And since it's, man, Dad, it's not, it's not chess. It's a new form of chess that goes by a lot faster. Look, I made up my own rules. I made up my own pawns. And Ben says, why would you mess up chess? It's a, it's a perfect game. It's a great game. It's a game that has 
has been around for a long time and his son doesn't seem to agree and Ben brings the trash can from the kitchen, pushes everything that his son had on the table, pushes it into the trash can. And the wife comes in to get the son to take the son to practice and she, she asks Ben, hey, I see you have the pawns out. Hey, how many times have you played this game? He worked really hard on it. He wanted to show you his creativity. He played, we played a bunch of times. It was fun. It went quick. And Ben begins to take out the pawns that his son worked on so hard out of the trash as they leave. So here's the deal. Your temperament determines the words you speak. But differences in our temperament are not used to be, uh, not to be used as an excuse. Look, you and I, we have a choice. The words you use are the words you choose. The words you use are the words that you choose. Okay, so the first step to living out Paul's instruction is understanding why you, why I choose the words that we use. And so the first thing that we want to do is we, we encourage you to take this online assessment. And maybe you've done this before. It wouldn't hurt to do it again and do it with your family. Do it with your friends. Do it with some of your teammates. Do it with some of your classmates. Do it with some people that you work with. Get a good understanding of who you're working with and who you're living with. The assessment, the assessment, the assessment is free to you. All you have to do is just use your camera, take the, take the, capture the QR code, and it takes you right there. So why is this so important? You remember how we talked about the balance scale when we talked about how we have a six to one ratio? That what we hear is we hear the cynical things. We hear the things that break us down, the things that tear us down. Those are the things that we hear. And no matter how many positive words, say we want to we want to change it up a little bit and we want to be positive. See, maybe we say a few positive things to our our son, our daughter, or our husband or our wife. And what begins to happen, it doesn't really tip the scales much. No, but what happens is when we begin to know that person, things begin to change. See, these words that we use as the temperaments, they were around when Paul wrote Ephesians 4.29. He understood these Greek terms. He understood the labels of these personalities. He understood all of that. But he also knew that no matter how positive we could be, we're not going to change the ratio. And so as followers of Jesus, we have a unique example. See, God knows you better than anyone else because he provided you, he gifted you your temperament. And so when we hear all of the negativity, when we hear all the negativity, whether from the enemy, whether from other people, it bogs us down. It leaves us defeated, it leaves us depressed. But because God knows you, because God knows how you're wired, what he does is he uses his word to speak to you in the way that you need to be spoken to. And so what begins to happen is when you begin to hear from God, because he knows you, his words are powerful. His words have weight. But not only does he speak to you through his word, but he speaks to you through other people. See, the friends that I have in my life, they have the, the privilege, the, the permission, per, yeah, permission to speak to me the way that I need to be spoken to, the way that I'm wired. Because remember, 
the way that you like to be talked to may not may not be what your son, your daughter, it's not how they're wired to be talked to. And so it's important for us as followers of Jesus to know to know the people in our relationships. And when we begin to know the people in our relationships, we're able to speak to them in the way that they need to be spoken to. And what begins to happen is our words have so much weight that it outweighs that six to one ratio. It outweighs the criticisms from the enemy. It outweighs the negativity, the insults spoken by other people to them. For some of us, we need to learn what our kids, what our teenagers, what their person, what, not their, where their personality, but where their temperament is. So you guys, we have a unique opportunity. We have a unique opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to take the time to learn those in our lives, learn the temperament of those in our lives, and then we begin to speak in the way they need to be spoken to. We are following God's example in that. And so, Hopefully, you, we, we all kind of leave here today understanding that our most significant relationships deserve better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to first of all thank you for wanting a personal relationship with us. You went at great lengths to secure a relationship with us through the death and resurrection of your son. That he took our place so that we could have a personal relationship with you, that we are adopted into your family. And thank you for knowing us. Thank you for wanting a relationship with us. And thank you that when the enemy speaks insults, when friends and family in our lives have said negative things to us that have maybe led us to anxiety and depression and disappointment, but no, you speak to us, the way that we need to be spoken to. And Father, thank you for the people in our lives that know us and can speak to us the way that we need to be spoken to. Just like Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, we need to be known. So, Father, I'm asking for all of us who are followers of Jesus right now, who's watching, who's in person at the Fredericksburg campus right now, what I'm asking for right now is that you would help all of us Know the people in our lives. Know how they're wired. Know how you created them, how you wired them. And that we're able to speak to them as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to them in the way that they need to be spoken to. So God, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.